and welcome to Transistor Radio, a story thus far podcast that's broadcasting everything trans. I'm your transistor, Athena, and over there is the person who tried to make me laugh doing that intro again. <laughs> who is that? I'm, 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 I'm transistor, Aaron. <laughs> Yay! Hi, Aaron. Your laugh attempts did not work. I, I am very clearly I not. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I I did I, I did nothing. I did nothing. <laughs> oh, that's right. This is a podcast, and so therefore only our audio exists. And the fact that I can see you has no relevance. Has no. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent accurate. Yep, that's that's very true. We can't. There's we're just audio. Nothing else happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So what are we talking about this week? <laughs> Today, we're talking about after transition. If you couldn't tell from the title of this podcast. Wow. Da-da-da. Anyway. Da-da-da-da. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Anyway. So what's that mean? Um, Aaron and I have both found ourselves in an interesting position where... Um, so the general, like, like the, the position where we found ourselves in is that... Um, both Aaron and I, uh, have gone full time. We've talked about that in, in a previous episode. Um, and so for the most part, day to day, uh, we live and experience ourselves as women. Uh, it's what we think about ourselves every day. It's, it's how we're treated every day for, for the most part. There's maybe some cases where that doesn't pop up and that doesn't line up. Maybe there's some days where, um, you know, old stuff kind of pops up, but by and large, for the most part, we find ourselves where, especially for me, uh, and I don't know if this is exactly as true for Aaron, but when I, we were talking about this topic uh, before the show, it seemed a little bit true. But um, for me, especially, like I'm done with transition. There's no further steps I need to take. Um, and I know Aaron's not in exactly the same place I am, but it's very much a, I tend these days not to think of myself as trans and so we're going to kind of talk about that experience mm-hmm. today um this by the way I'm, I'm going to put a link to it in the show description um there is another trans podcast called uh i say that like there's only two um no there, <laughs> there's a lot of trans podcasts but there's one in particular that did an episode kind of like this it's a podcast that goes by a wonderful name called the gatheist manifesto yes it's a, um the best name it's such a good name um i had never heard of this podcast before and in fact this is the only episode i've listened to i think it's episode number 171 uh the title of the episode is transition dot 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 then what question mark uh and it's uh the host of the podcast talking with one of her friends about how they're both kind of post-transition and done with everything um and talking about what it's like to interact with the trans community when they're past that stage. So we're not going to rehash everything they talk about in the episode, and we probably won't mention it that much beyond this, but I'm going to put a link in the description. Go check it out. Uh, If you like what you hear in that episode, maybe consider checking out the rest of that podcast. I've never talked to that person. I have no affiliation, and that's the only episode I've listened to. So, um, But they sounded like good people, and uh, it's a really interesting topic that I kind of wanted to jump (laughs) off with. So I wanted to give them credit because they're the reason we're talking about this is where I got the idea from, and um, I think it's an interesting topic that uh, I don't hear talked about often, mm-hmm. um, and it's definitely something that I spent time struggling with after getting to the point I am now, uh, and so I didn't want to just talk about that. Aaron, what about you? I've rambled for a little while now. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, full disclosure, I've only listened to maybe about a third of this episode that we're, that inspired what we were talking about today, uh, but it brought up, if even just in those, what is it, 20 minutes? It was really mm-hmm. good topics and stuff I hadn't thought about that I'll be discussing today, which is super cool. Uh, yeah. But as she said, she mentioned that she was done with her transition, and I effectively, I don't know if I'd ever consider myself done, so to speak. Like, for me, I don't think of it as, like, a, a shopping list anymore. For <laughs> And, and that's, that's kind of how I, I almost saw my transition, was, okay... The first thing I need to get on my list is to take care of this. Now that that is taken care of, I need to move on to this thing on the list. And those check marks, so to speak, were achieved fairly quickly. You know, they were done. Okay, this week I'm doing this. Next week I'm doing this. These three days I'm doing this. And so I could say I'm getting a new wardrobe here. I am getting my hair done here. I am going to uh, go see this therapist for this and work on this. I'm going to go see this specialist and talk about this. I'm going to come out to this person 
and a lot of it was super fast, super quick, steamrolled, and it did slow down towards the last few months, but effectively after I made my coming out post about, it was one month and three days ago today that we are recording this, Mm -hmm. uh, my quote unquote transition, so to speak, as it stands right now, has started to stagnate. Uh, and maybe that's not the best word for it. That's kind of a negative connotation, but it's really not uh, the way I'm meaning it. Uh, I don't have to worry about coming out to people that have known me one way or the other. If I come out to somebody, it's because they are a close friend and I have something relevant to add to the conversation and do that. Uh, I think my full goal in the end was to be about as stealth as I want to be. Effectively, I want to be stealth to a stranger and then get that choice to reveal that I'm trans to somebody one way or the other, provided that I'm not, like, speaking about where I am, but there's still a fairly sick voice and still potential for being misgendered in some ways. Uh, but I I have especially noticed this uh, when I went to go see my the trans support group in town uh, that I mentioned a while back. Uh, and I've been thinking about that visit a lot recently uh, because it's been coming up in various spots going to pride support groups and trans pride this and that and I I kept thinking like why didn't I why did I not feel so attached to that and and what Athena brought up uh, when she mentioned the idea of this episode was there's other communities where we had originally met a gaming community that was trans focused and why do we feel more removed from one or the other in that aspect too? And I think that aspect of us thinking we are effectively quote unquote done has made it harder to relate in certain ways because we are so far removed from our journey to where other people are in their journey. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something I've encountered a lot. Um, Aaron, you're talking about that that gaming server that we met on, which is the one that we've talked about. You and I both run that, like we're the two yeah. admins of it. And um, both of us are significantly less active these days on that server than we used to be. And I know for myself, a large part of it is uh, a lot of that place, uh, and this has caused some issues in the server, so like I'll, I'll kind of delve into it a little bit. Um, but basically, the server started out really gaming-focused, and then it kind of switched to being really trans-focused. And then we've been struggling to try and give it that happy medium where it's in both. And nowadays, most of the activity on that server comes from um, the, the trans channel specifically, especially the Dysphoria channel, uh, which is just kind of a place for people to vent and get advice uh, about how they feel and, and why they feel that, and you know, just get some sympathetic ears. And I used to be really active in there. I, I didn't post a lot of Dysphoria because I've, I've been in the lucky space where I've, uh, I started, you know, I joined up on that server pretty much when it was created back in January of this year. And at that point I was already full time. I was already, was, or was it February? Either way, whatever, it was 2018. I was already full time. Uh, I already had an official date for when my surgery would start. So like I had a, my, my transition as a journey had an end date on it, right? Like I knew when it was going to be over. And for a large part, like there were times where I felt dysphoria and still had that. But for the most part, it's been me responding to other people and trying to give advice. And what I found is, especially now that I'm post SRS and several months beyond that, it it's surprising how much harder it is to to respond to someone's problem when it feels like such a distant problem in the past. So I don't really experience, I've talked about this previously, I don't really experience dysphoria these days. Um, And one of the things is, I remember when I first started transition and first started trying to figure out like where I was going to be and what I was going to do and how I was going to get through all this. Um, something that stood out to me was I was like, I don't know, like whenever anybody would say it gets better, I'm like bullshit. Um, because it's really hard when you're living in the moment and you're sitting there. Um, and you know, it's like the first day after you realize you're trans and the dysphoria is just mind crushing. Um, it's really hard to sit there and say, it's going to get better. I'm going to fix this. And it's also really hard because especially in the US, and I I was talking with another trans person uh, on Discord about how uh, 
the UK is pretty different about this because it has like a waiting list to get doctors uh, and there are other places well beyond the UK but in the US your ability transition is entirely on you to do it um, that's a good thing because there's very often like you can circumvent waiting lists if you're really really willing to put in the work but there are often times where being trans feels like a full-time job I spent I would agree with that yeah probably yeah I spent I would get home from work or from school and all I would do is focus on what I need to do to transition. I'd be contacting doctors, I'd be finding where I could go next, I'd be getting information on HRT and what I needed to do for that. I'd be getting information on what my my, my um, uh, insurance requires for it to be covered. Um, and it's just like, it was constant research and trying yes, to understand what it the, was that I needed that to do. That research was so much of what I did because I I, I, yeah, I had to live that fucking double life for what is that six no about about four months of it, uh, maybe a little longer than that because I would I would go to work one way closeted and then come home and in order to like alleviate the pain that I've been feeling for eight nine hours. I would have to go and make myself transition. And that was my experience of trying to make myself comfortable in my own skin. And when it wouldn't work, yeah. I would have to research what's going on, how can I make this happen, or I have this problem caused by this feature, how do I make it less pronounced or fix it or be better with this? And that was yeah. so much of my time was sitting at home, researching, practicing things like makeup, looking at outfits, trying to budget so that I could purchase said outfits, looking for tools like gaffs and yeah. push-ups. And it, it was like I had a two, uh, a double life, two jobs, two full-time jobs of trying to not die one way or the other, either feed myself or yeah. be comfortable with myself. Yeah, absolutely. And so like it, for me especially, uh, that caused some serious problems in my life. I got so far into trying to figure out who I was as a trans person and trying to solve this, and I spent so much time on it and so much mental effort on it that, like, it completely consumed my life. I pushed away friends because I just stopped having time to interact with them because I was like, I need to get this done. The advantage is I'm here three years, a little less than three years later, and I am full-time, I'm transitioned, everything's legally changed, like, I've had SRS, everything is done. So the advantage is I got it done in less than three years, which is a really fast turnaround time on a transition. The downside is I now have to recover the rest of my life and build up career and friendships and all that stuff, but, like, I've what I've essentially done is pushed off all the normal problems and solved the, the trans-specific problems, but... What that's caused, to, especially for me nowadays, is when I'm sitting there and, and seeing someone with dysphoria and trying to comfort them, I know for myself that the number one thing, like if I could go back in time, two and a half years, I would just go, the thing I would do to tell my, the, me who is dealing with dysphoria is I would go up to them and say, it gets better. And like, the reason I would say that, obviously, is if I was talking to myself, it's like, hey, I'm you from two and a half years in the future, and it right. got better. And, like, I have living proof. But then it's it's also easy to forget when you're, when it's, like, in my case, I'm the other side of transition. There's nothing left to do, and I'm done with it. It It's really easy to forget that perspective of someone who just started and has all of this work ahead of them and all of these problems that they have to deal with. It's... It's really easy to forget that that person isn't you, that that there because there's if you were talking to yourself, there's two sides of this coin, right? Like if I'm talking to myself two and a half years ago, not only am I telling myself from two and a half years ago, it gets better and I'm comforting them, but myself from two and a half years ago is seeing who they're right. going to be. And so like there's that added element of comfort of like, I know this is going to happen and I know I'm going to get there. But when you tell that to somebody else. What that person thinks is, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm not like you. I won't have yes. those chances. And I think if there's one thing I want anyone to take away from this podcast as a whole, it's that transition is not unique. You may have unique problems. You may encounter things that other people didn't because of your own biology, because of your own your mental own problems or, or whatever yeah. happens or your own location. But the end result is you overcome those slightly different challenges for the same outcome. You will someday yes. be you. you. You're never going to live this life where you are always having to lie to yourself. It might take you 10 years, it might take you two years, it might take you 20 years, whatever, however long it takes you. The end goal is at some point in your life, if you 
go through transition and you you make it something you want to get done at some point in your life you will be sitting there looking back and wanting to go tell yourself it yes, got and that, that's one of the things you know, talking about the going back and talking to yourself thing we are creatures that work both intrinsically motive with intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation and whenever you are feeling down about yourself you are unsure you're not seeing a point in this you're worrying about one thing or the other your intrinsic motivation to keep going or keep going on especially if you're depressed or dealing with dysphoria and depression in a hard situation that is gone that is so that is so hard to get no matter what the topic is uh, and so having that little carrot on a stick an extrinsic motivator a reward such as seeing yourself post transition is like a dream it's something that you could see like hey not only can this be done but it's also worth it like i can do this it's a real thing that says if you keep pushing you can do this but that is such a hard thing to relate saying hey i started from here and now i'm here you can do this it's so hard especially in a, uh, a spot where you are mentally not as secure in yourself and your situation as uh you would be otherwise that is almost to some, it's, it seemed like a slap in the face, and it's not... Mm -hmm. I, I won't say that I don't understand that reaction. I, I understand where it comes from, because they look at that and going, you're not in my situation. And and that's and that's yeah, the thing absolutely. that is so hard to help those. Uh, and and that that is a factor that comes in, not just with trans people or dysphoria, but anybody going through a hard time. But... It, it's such a hard thing to try to reach out and go like, hey, I know what dysphoria is. I actually understand this. I have experienced this myself. Although it's like lessened, yeah. I still understand it. And then th that can be such a hard factor to talk with somebody with whenever they are not, yeah. th they are not intentionally making the statement, but on, on the receiving end of somebody who doesn't want to listen to that kind of stuff, it feels like they are saying, well, your entire situation is not valid in this kind of context. And it's like, well, <laughs> mm -hmm. so. Yeah. It's also like I found, especially like going back to the example of that dysphoria channel, it's, it's a lot harder to give advice in that channel for me because I feel like the way I come across is more specifically, like, I, I feel like, obviously, like, there's what, like, I don't want to come across like I'm invalidating their experience, like Aaron was just talking about. But then at the same time, like, because of where I'm at and, and where I've gone through, I get worried that, like, I'm going to say something and somebody's going to be like, oh, well, your experience doesn't matter. You're done. Like, this doesn't apply to you. And there is this kind of fear of, like, if I speak up and, and say something to somebody that there there's going to be because i mean I've, I've i've had this response happen to me in the dysphoria channel before where i'll give a piece of advice and somebody is like oh well that was you that's not me your experience isn't relevant and i'm like first off that really hurts to hear because it's like i am a trans person like you who used to be in your situation um and like i i could give you the advice of what i did to get there but there is that kind of now there's like this two-part interesting dynamic where i don't want to invalidate their experience but i'm also worried that like the advice i'm giving is is terrible or is going to feel off-putting and if i do accidentally invalidate their experience now like there's that lash right, that like right. flashback word whatever pushback at whatever you know what i mean there you go pushback um and so it creates this this kind of weird case where i'm seeing people talk about issues that i have experience with but my experience is a little outdated because it's a few years old. Um, and like, yeah, it's only a few years old. But the thing is, especially with it, especially in the U.S. as more states are, well, eh, weird stuff. I don't want to get into politics, but like it's been an up and down ride where trans in some areas, trans acceptance has gotten a lot better. Uh, and in some areas it hasn't. And so like in my state, it's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say it's a it's a. It's an election year, and not just an election year. It's coming up in like two or three months for a lot of these places, and uh, trans rights are essentially the hot button issue that gay rights were in the early '90s and the early 2000s. Yeah. And so, we are talked about more in the media, which, depending on your state, can make your situation uh, un 
what what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Inhospitable. Uncharacteristically uh, hostile. Yeah. That would be a better that would yeah, be a better yeah, way of yeah. phrasing it. Um, but like like f- for example, an issue that I don't have experience with, but that I've seen other people have you know um, experienced is this whole idea of being called a trans trender of like people who say that you're only trans because everyone else around you it like you interacted with other trans people and you thought it was cool so you decided to be trans like i don't have experience of anyone calling me that because that's not a thing that anyone called anyone in 2015 slash 2016 that's a 2018 thing apparently i don't know Mm -hmm. like every time i hear that argument i just want to go smack somebody because it's like i yes i i did think living life in the hard mode was cool it's it's the same idea they're saying of being everybody's gay now gay is a gay is a fad i mean it's it's, it's just the new it's shitty turf logic but it's it's a new form of shitty turf logic that i had same hate different coat of paint you know yeah yeah um, and so it's just like there's there's these issues that are popping up for people where I'm like, I have no experience with this. I don't even know how to give advice on this other than to say I'm sorry and that sucks and fuck those people. They're horrible. Um, and then there's been other issues as well where like now as a person who's, you know, graduated college and my day to day life experiences are I'm like like career worries. Like, did I get the job I wanted to get? Am I? going into the right career how do you make friends as an adult when you're not stuck in a classroom with everyone right like those kinds of experiences also mean that like in the places where dysphoria pops up for you know younger people like there's there's some teenagers and some uh high school age people as well as uh some people who are going through college uh in that server and in other places that i've interacted with that's it's hard to give advice in that sense because like i don't have the experience of being trans in those areas in, in the public school and especially in this time period like yeah when i was when i was in middle school and in a locker room i felt that dysphoria i, I now recognize what that was but i didn't know how to deal with it i didn't know what it was but the thing is that we didn't have camera phones literally everywhere and one of the things that has happened is there's some people who are taking photos and crap in places where they should not be and harassing them i'm not saying it's common but uh, kids taking photos of other kids is a new thing that is in this 2000, 2010 era that was not a thing when I was going through school. And it doesn't have to be necessarily the locker room, but it can be in the lunchroom. And uh, being trans and in that situation is totally something I've, I've never had an experience with and I can't help with. And it, it's so hard to feel like, yeah, I'm trans. I have transitioned from one to the other and I have done a lot of my journey. I have gotten onto HRT and I do my regular blood checkups. I've completely changed my wardrobe. I am out at work and presenting exactly as I need to be presenting and working actively as I need to be working. But I'm not worrying about uh, certain aspects like hiding, uh, hiding from other people I'm not out to yet anymore. And I'm only a month removed from that. And so I still feel that same empathy. But as we are going further and further towards this, what is it, the inevitable heat death of the universe? Is that what I'm trying to say there? I don't know. That's probably as, as, not how the, the universe is. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to get into the physics discussion, but heat death is highly unlikely. Anyway, sorry. The, the universe will end someday. Cool. Happy thoughts. As we, but whatever as, we're As time is... As time is going on, my empathy is turning into sympathy because my memories of these experiences are just fading and turning into blurry memories. And so I can't say I know exactly how I felt in the situation to I can understand how you feel in that situation. And that's a very different change that is hard, hard to manage with something like this. Yeah. It's also, um, as... It's also a thing of like, like especially for me, um, it's a lot easier to give advice on how you deal with a problem when you deal with that problem every day. Um, when every day you come home and you you like just think to, you know you 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 struggle with I'm lying to everyone around me I'm not being my true self right when you struggle with that aspect of still being in the closet 
you know, you can give advice to somebody who's also struggling with that because you literally did it five minutes ago. And now for me, I haven't had that experience in almost, what, a year? Um, no, over a year, a year and a half now. I haven't had that experience of having to hide who I am, which is a really good thing. Like this, we're not saying a, a like, you know, transition is terrible and you feel terrible after you're done. Quite no, the opposite, you feel great. The, the problem is it gets really hard to interact with a lot a large part of the trans community because a lot of trans spaces are dominated by the people who need the advice the most, right? Someone like me doesn't need to go to a trans subreddit to get, you know, emotional support as much as someone who just started because dysphoria is huge and a huge problem mm -hmm. when you first start and it gets less and less the more you transition. How, however actively you are working on your transition is going to be however much you need support from this community. And since mm -hmm. we are essentially, we've gotten a, a lot of our huge milestones out of the way, we're finding that uh, we are just living our life. I don't have yeah. my, I don't have necessarily a trans friendly group of friends. I have my friends. I don't yeah. have a trans support network specifically per se. I have just my support network that are okay with me yeah. being trans. And yeah. some of them happen to be trans women or trans men or uh, non-binary people. And some of them are cis people that I've known for years and have been uh, with me once I came out. And it's it's been conflicting. I, I believe they said in the episode that it's it's hard to feel like the difference of, well, you should be out there being active in the community and helping others along the way. And I, I'm all for helping and doing what you need. And then there's the other side of it saying you can also be comfortable just living your life as the woman, man, or anywhere in between or outside that you are. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that too. Like it, it, it feels like almost you owe something back, but you also don't at the same time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like a large part of me and a large part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast with Aaron was um, I feel like. Uh, a, a, an aspect of, of trans life that isn't talked about a lot is w when you're on the other side, right? Like, you don't get the perspective from people um, who are done transitioning as much as you do who just started transitioning because if the places you frequent are like support groups or, or therapy or uh, trans subreddits or, or wherever it is you go, a lot of the people there are the people who need help the most immediately. And so like one of the reasons um, I wanted to start this podcast was I wanted two people who are trans who are kind of done with it to be able to go back and give their advice on how they dealt with issues and how we got through those issues and, and what we dealt with and, and also give a look into what it's like to be at the end of the road and on the other side of transition where being trans is no longer the most dominant thing in your life. For me, I would say like I've gotten to the point, which is a point I never thought I'd have, of I always expected trans to be like the first most important thing in my identity because it was something I was so actively dealing with. I think you've said those exact words to me, actually. <laughs> yeah. And now here I am post SRS, post all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't think of myself as trans anymore. It's it is. I know I'm trans, but it's not a thing like I don't think of myself as a trans woman these days. I think of myself as a woman who used to be trans. Right. right? Oh. And like, I'm still a trans person, but like that idea of like it's it's a it's a subconscious thing it's no longer a thing i have to deal with every day yes and i, I think this just kind of lined up so i am seeing some uh, harassment at work from other students and it's they are doing things some of them are using trans and then various slurs of that to an extent and i'm letting my admins know and the people that need to know how to take care of that but there's another aspect of them calling me a man and things like that. But the thing that I am probably the most shocked about, I anticipated that. What I didn't anticipate is that I would stop caring and stop feeling pain for that as quickly as I did, not because, like, not just because I'm an adult and can handle that kind of stuff, but there's this assurance in me that it, it's perfectly rock solid. It's, it's like, 
these kids are calling me a man, not because they think I'm a man, but because they think I am a woman with masculine features. And that's the thought that goes through my head of things like that, of just going like, I know I'm a woman and I know I have some masculine traits and it's not, I used to present male and I am now presenting female. Like that, that's the difference for me is that it's, it's so, I'm so secure in my identity, who I am and how I see myself day to day. It, It used to be that every single day I would see myself as male as as a man and that would be even post coming out and doing all that but the longer I'm going on I look in the mirror and I just see woman and it's not even like I'm telling myself Aaron you're a woman and some days I need that but that's not an everyday thing anymore I just look and I'm like mm-hmm. yep that's that's it and I think Today's the first day I've gone out in my old-ish clothes. I'm, I'm planning on doing some heavy cleaning today, and so I'm wearing some stuff that I don't care if it gets super dirty or bleached or whatever. I have some jeans that I bought and wore before I really transitioned. I have a shirt that I got like two years before I transitioned. I'm not wearing makeup. My hair looks like crap. My brush was left up at work, and I went out and did some fucking shopping today, and... There was only one store that I was apprehensive of going in, which I did not go in because I really didn't need to. Uh, And that's just for some safety issues. There was a little bit of dysphoria and insecurity there, but I felt fine. There were some tiny moments here and there, and it was sort of similar to when I first went out. But when I first went out, I had to do this whole ordeal of worrying about makeup. I had a Uh, wig. I had certain clothes, certain everything that I was trying to get perfect and picture perfect. And now these tiny little moments that I'm going through that are just a little bit of insecurities and dysphoria, they are popping up when I am essentially presenting almost, almost identical to how I was presenting, say, a year ago. You know, a shirt that is gender neutral, pants that are gender neutral, they aren't designed to show off curves or anything. The only thing that I'm wearing that is more femme is my bra because I, it helps me a little bit to feel that. And so I have gone from feeling like I need to be presenting full femme 100% of the time into I'm going to just go out and get stuff done and come back because I'm not thinking about my gender presentation as much. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I'm almost kind of proud to say that I have hit that point but I never really thought I'd hit it as quickly as I did or as be as strong in it as I am yeah um and that like everything you're saying that like I remember going through that when I first went full-time I wore makeup constantly for the first month and then I was like yeah I don't feel like putting on makeup today uh and then ever since then like I haven't worn makeup literally ever since that except for one night where i went on a date with somebody and wanted to look pretty because we were going somewhere nice Mm -hmm. uh and so like there's kind of that kind of fits really well with with what i was thinking which is that um now like going along with what aaron said of like what what you're wearing today um (laughs) i nowadays like i don't wear male shirts or anything like that like I, i wear stuff that is cut specifically for women but the reason that I wear that has nothing to do with my gender dysphoria. Yes, it's yes. just because it looks better on me. Yes. Like, I look better in clothes that are cut that way because they help show off, you know, like, my body shape mm-hmm. better. The other clothes, I don't wear them not because they make me look masculine, but because they make me look like I gained 30 pounds. Right. And that's <laughs> like, that's what I'm talking about. So, so the shirt I'm wearing right yeah. now came from a concert. And, and like, every concert and show I've gone to that sells a shirt, they don't unless it is like a big big time band with special designs they don't do a girl's shirt and a guy's shirt they just do yeah, a it's shirt unisex and it's like it's cut kind of weird for both genders period and that's that's what i got right now and before all this i would die if somebody saw that and called me sir or something and now yeah. it's just like ma'am <laughs> so yeah yeah it's um it's also really interesting um because like that that carries over in other stuff this was um this was a, a a thing they said on the podcast that i thought really resonated with me i don't know if you got to this point aaron but uh, they were talking about like some of the issues they deal with 
um, nowadays because they they are both post op uh, and fairly recent post op in that episode. I don't know like when they actually got their surgeries because again I've only listened to the one episode. But <laughs> in that episode, there's a moment where they talk about like they they had this realization happen, which is the same realization I had happen, which is they were there and it's like one of uh, the the host of the show was like, oh yeah, I I was really worried today because I I was. Tr- you know, was finally cleared to try and reach orgasm, and it took me like 45 minutes, and it was really hard to do, and I kind of lost interest halfway through, but I kept going because I wanted to orgasm. And like, she was complaining to one of her friends, and it was a cis female friend. This female friend was like, "Yeah, that's the fucking joys of having a vagina. Welcome to the fucking party." And so, like, I've had the same thing happen. Like, when I go, like, like post-op, one of my big worries, I went and used the restroom, and was like, "Holy cow, the pee just goes everywhere." And I was talking to my mom. My mom was like, "Yeah." That's fucking girls peeing. Like, that's just how it works. Um, And so it's like now I'm in this really kind of surprising spot where the problems that I have because I am trans, right, are are problems that I actually share with cis people, Mm -hmm. right? Like, my ability to orgasm, I share with cis women. Like, I experience, I have that experience of it being sometimes hard to get off or, or not being in the mood just because I know it's hard to get off. Like... That's a thing that just cis women experience. Um, or, or like using the restroom, all that stuff. It's one of the things that I constantly said in the past was it's it's and that I still stand by is when you don't have that constant reminder of dysphoria, dysphoria kind of goes away. Right? Like for me, the last one that stood out was my penis. Um and I mean I would be totally out. feeling great. <laughs> Yeah, literally standing out. And then I'd see myself bottomless, like no no pants or anything, standing in front of the mirror. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a trans person. There's my junk. Cool. Great. Now, being post-op, that doesn't, there's no staring at myself in the body, like I, in the body, in the mirror. Staring at myself in the mirror, there are things that I see that I don't like. But it's stuff like, oh, I need to lose a little more weight. Oh, my skin is a little, has stretch marks on it because I used to be much heavier than I am. So it's it's all cis people problems, right? Like stretch marks and and being overweight, right? Like all of a sudden I'm like, oh look, I'm a working adult. I have working adult problems. Right. <laughs> Fucking cool. Or like for example, I've been meeting with my therapist uh, again because and the things that I'm struggling with that I'm talking to my therapist. Right, two years ago I was talking to my therapist about how I hated having a penis. And all that sort of stuff. And nowadays, the thing that I talk with my parent, with my therapist, are like, I don't know if I'm making the right career choice. I don't know how to make friends because I only ever had friends in college. And nowadays, like, there's no college classes throwing us together, so I don't even know how to meet people. Right? Like, these are middle-aged person problems. That's what I'm having. It's weird. <laughs> I'm not used to having, like middle-aged average everyday american life problems instead of like i need to get my penis cut off problems (laughs) good lord Uh, no i i fully understand that that's that is something that i started to feel with the move to the new location is uh trying to make a friend and it's been unique in a way coming out has helped me get a friend circle after my friend circle who helped me come out uh, moved for life reasons and I think that's kind of a weird thing because for this period this first like month and a half or so I have been left essentially friendless uh, in my area I did not have anybody that was there to support at work I uh, just didn't have people I could really relate to uh, that was not, you know, thousands of miles away over on this Discord server somewhere on slash r ask transgender or something. And it started coming down to it. I, I felt like I was in an awkward position of, I want a friend that I can be real with. Like, I want them to know I'm trans, but I don't want to be their trans friend, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, the friends they keep around because it's like, oh, look, I have a trans yeah, friend. Exactly. Look at me. I'm so advanced <laughs> i have the new model um oh my like gosh. yeah yeah look it's a new model it's a changed model it didn't used to be this model but it is now this model yes. <laughs> <It is> now. <laughs> and and that's that was the thing i was going like so what how, how did i make friends before this what did i do 
how do how do, how do I what how do you normal how friends? do I normal friends again and yeah. did I have normal friends to begin with yeah. was I how do I make this so that I'm more me and less that and then I'm yeah. and it, it got into this weird like dark introspective hole of like was the way I was making friends just a front is this actually me and it was another sense of self discovery of being like I'm fucking 26 going to be 27 in a few months and. I don't know how to friend at work as well as I thought I did because yeah. a lot of what I did yeah. was a mask for work. So, so like I have that problem as well to this weird other extent. So when I say normal friends, by the way, the reason I say normal friends is because most of the way I made friends pre-transition was at furry meets. <laughs> <laughs> like I mostly had furry friends. And so like I met my friends. I have friends who I've literally never known their real name. I only know them as their furry name. And like, like I have this great friend who I just found out recently moved to California. Um, and I know him as, um, oh my God. What was his furry name? I don't even remember his furry name. Um, Seneca. I know him as Seneca. That's all I know. Apparently his real name is Albert. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Like, I didn't know that until like two years after I met the guy. Or another person who I I, uh, was friends with in the furry community, Arluza. I could not for the life of me tell you his real name because I've never known it. And so like, I have this weird case where all of the friends in my life are people that I met from being furry. Like, the only people that I've met where I met them under like, quote unquote, real or like, I guess normal circumstances, cause like furry is a hundred percent not normal circumstances. Where like I met these people under real circumstances were like high school friends, uh, maybe like one or two college friends. But for the most part, all of my friends are people I met in the furry fandom, which I actually find nowadays I'm significantly less of a furry than I used to be um, because being a furry was a way for me before I knew who I was to escape into someone mm-hmm. I wasn't. And I had a persona and a character I could adopt and be somebody else. And it was a nice relief from being somebody I didn't like. Uh, and now that like I'm post-transition and I figured out who I like to be, I don't really need that escape. And so honestly, like my old furry friends, I'm like, nah, just call me Athena because that's who I am. I don't need this alternate name to hide behind that feels better because I don't like my name for some unknown reason. I now know why I didn't like my name and why I like this one so much. Right, right. Um, and so I have that problem. Like, uh, I, like what I'm encountering is I don't know how to make friends. Like, I have people who I hang out with where, like, I go and play magic with them, but it's hard to, like, make a friend mm-hmm. with somebody when the reason you're there is you're all at a store together just to play a yep. card game. Like... I mean, I imagine you can make friends off anyway. But like the, the point is, another connection that I had to make friends with was we are both transitioning and going through this process of trying to figure out who we are and, and understand ourselves. And so like it was much easier to bond over people and it'd be like, oh, yeah, did you find a doctor in the area you could go to? Like when you have stuff you can talk about like that. But now I, I don't have that because it's like if I if I meet a trans person at like a trans support group, the people in my area are all fairly early on in transition because the people who like me are done with transition have exactly moved on and, and from those I've, I've discovered i think i told you about this uh yesterday uh one of the things that i've discovered is that i am this is not a dead set hard and stone plan but i'm kind of entertaining the idea of moving out in the next year or so to a new location to a better location for me i haven't made any serious plans about that but one of the things that i realized that started initially because of my transition is now just a average everyday problem of any of the customers of this business is I signed up for a two-year laser treatment plan and they only have stores in Texas and they only have like five stores in Texas and they're all around this area and it's like well shit yeah. now how do I, I I can't get that transferred or I just have to kind of pay off the other x thousand dollars that are still on it not get those treatments and then just cut my losses and try to get a new treatment plan somewhere else and it's like these are these are problems that started because i am a trans woman but eventually just are what they are simply because well i am just a woman like and not like the, the trans may have been the reason this started but had i not been trans this still probably would have been some form of issue in another way so like that that's been a very unique 
uh, experience. And I, I still need the community in, in certain aspects, but the fact that I'm not actively hunting for help every fucking day, like, it, it's... it's yeah. I feel almost like I shouldn't be asking for help in certain points, and that is a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So that... For me, it's 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 even further removed from from where you are. So I I have this weird problem where if I go to a trans safe space like a support group, I have fewer people there that I can interact with that like are in my social group than I did when I first started transition. And it honestly sometimes doesn't necessarily feel like a trans safe space for me because. For me to go to like a support group, that's a trans safe space for people who really need the support. And I'm not there because I need support. I'm there because I want to interact with people who are like me. But the people who are like me aren't going to the support groups because they're done with transition and don't go there. And so I find myself fitting in more easily at spaces like my local card shop where I can play magic with people because my everyday concern isn't being trans anymore. In fact, in the past two weeks, I have spent more time thinking about what next Magic the Gathering deck I'm going to build than I have about being trans. And by the way, when I say more time, I mean like it's a ratio of 100 million to zero. I don't think about being trans anymore. And so I have this this weird case where I have more in common with random people I meet at card shops than I do with people who go to support right. groups specifically for people like me. Um, and that's not a bad thing about the support group because again, the support group is there to help those people who need it most. And I just happen to be in that weird spot of, I don't need yeah. that help anymore. And it's, it's a good spot to be in, but it means a lot's changed. And this is one of the things that I think I really wanted to hit on with this episode is I spent the past two and a half years of my life spending all of my time thinking about what am I going to do next? How am I going to transition? Like, like we said earlier, it felt like having a full-time job with transition was a full-time job. And now that I'm done with that job, like I'm, I'm done figuring out HRT. I'm done finding doctors. I don't need to worry about SRS or, or getting it because I've had it. And now it's just a part of my life. It's just who I am. What do I, I do that's... now? <laughs> Because yeah, no, that is such an interesting oh, thing. I, I was just thinking about this as you were saying about the two-year transition thing. Think about the other parts of the LGBTQ plus community. Like, you don't spend two years transitioning to a lesbian. You don't spend... You're not going to be like, <laughs> I'm in the process of becoming I mean, a gay like, man right now. Like unless you literally are transitioning genders. There's not a start date and an end date of when somebody will consider themselves, yeah. I am done being straight. Yeah. I have transitioned to gay. Like, that's not, that's not a thing. <laughs> and it's not like we're not trans whenever we stop. I mean, like, we are still trans. But the that active transition of having to change our life is so unique to a trans person's experience. And I find that such so... Yeah, it, it's it's just strange, not not in a bad way. It's it's unique to think about. Like, I I yeah. am multiple parts of this. I am an L and I am a T in this. And I didn't transition to L. In fact, I probably accepted that I was lesbian before I accepted I was trans. If that fucking makes sense. But like, that's that is such <laughs> a weird thing. I think about. I, there are people who struggle to figure out what they are, but once they know what they are, they don't have to like buy. They don't have to buy a wardrobe to make themselves more comfortable. They may be more comfortable expressing things, but they don't feel like I am literally in a whole other world from where I have been previously, and this is going to take months to years to complete so that I can go and date the people I like. And yeah. that is such an interesting thing that I didn't really think about. Uh, and it's the active yeah. part. We have gone from being actively moving from one to the other to being something secure and solid like the other letters in that little foundation. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. So, like, obviously there are people where getting to the point where they recognize they are L or G or B or whatever, uh, whatever letter it is that defines them best or that they associate with. Um, obviously there are people who you know, like you struggle with that journey and try and understand it. And maybe, you know, a gay man realizes he's gay after he's been in a marriage for 10 years and has to like, obviously there are 
social yes. transitions that happen for those people as well. Like, like I don't want to make it sound like that's not the case. Um, but at the same time, as Aaron said, our, for, for trans people, we are in that unique situation of our social transition is gated by our, our ability to be comfortable with however much medical transition we can do. Like, there are some people who will socially transition immediately and be totally fine. Um, there are some people who are in the unfortunate case where they have to socially transition before they can start medically transition. But for me especially, I did not feel comfortable being myself until my medical transition was done, or at least to the point where I felt comfortable presenting as myself. And so I may have recognized that I was a pan person because I, I recognized that as part of my transition, or I thought I did, and, and we talked about mm -hmm. that previously, how I struggled with that, but I may have recognized that I was something that was not straight anymore, but I didn't, I could express that at any point. I could be like, oh yeah, I'm pan, I'm, I'm into everybody. But I couldn't be like, oh yeah, I'm also a girl until I felt comfortable with everyone knowing that. And that is definitely an experience that's, you, I think, unique to being trans is you, there's this, there's this roadblock that's blocked off by time or effort. You know, I, I had to put in lots of hours of work to get to this point. Yeah. And now that I've done that, it's weird to have trans be something that is just like any other letter for me. I'm mm -hmm. pan and trans, and those have the same amount of meaning, yes. which is that they affect how I interact with people, and they affect who I used to be and who I am now, but it's not a day-to-day -day active part of my life. I don't spend time transitioning mm -hmm. anymore. It's the, not, the it, energy it's not a job even, anymore. It, it's even on both ends. You are not spending your day thinking about how can I better dress myself so that I look more feminine so that I can be this and then this and who you're who you are attracted to and gonna date and you're just you are lesbian you are gay you are trans you are pan you are whatever and you are not having to think about taking medical pills planning flight trips uh going to see doctors to make yourself one or the other anymore you are just yeah you and I think that's that experience of just being secure in that identity is is where we are finding this almost uh, quarter life crisis that we are in. Simply yeah. of <laughs> quarter life, I like that. It, that's a real thing. That's that's legitimately a thing now, uh, and it's it's so strange because when two years of your life or a year of your life or however long it is, you would think this is who I am forever and then if anybody yeah. knows what it's like to change who you are forever and know what that is securely it's us so yeah that that's a good way to look at it that I hadn't really considered before which is I've spent so long trying to get here I never thought about what I do once I did what's that what's that plankton meme of I don't know I never really thought I'd get this far <laughs> yeah right like I guess that's, I don't know how much I feel like we could talk about this for hours. Yes. Uh, I mean, we've already talked about it for an hour. For and I feel an like hour. We only just started getting to it. But I think, like, that's the biggest thing is there is kind of this... I'm, I'm done with the literal transition. But now there's this social transition. And the transition is no longer from male to female. It's now from a woman who spent the first 24 years of her life trying to figure out who she was to a woman who now has to spend the next, hopefully... 66 or some odd years of her life trying to understand who she's going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not as easy anymore. That's the thing. It's like the transition itself was hard and asking the questions was hard, but the answer was surprisingly easy. I, once I knew I needed to be a girl, I knew what I wanted and I knew how to get there. Now I don't know who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a good way to think about it. It's it's almost like the same feeling of after you've graduated college or high school or after you've finished a big career thing or you've gotten the job that you really wanted. The act of you chasing that dream was such a big part of your life that, okay, the credits have rolled, the audience is cleared out of the theater, my life has to go on. What do I do? Like Yeah, where do I go next? Yeah. What's my next goal? I don't know if I know what my next goal is, but um, it is certainly, I will say, it's been an 
it's been an interesting change. Um, it's been a really, really good change. Uh, in the same way that when I first started Hormones, I joked about how nice it was to have time spent not thinking about sex because testosterone was just like constant, constant sex all the time. I almost wish my hormones to death for me, but let's be real, I like it, so. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I, it's not a slight tangent here. I was kind of making a joke, but slight actual tangent. I still think about sex, but it's not a need. Like, I'll be like, oh man, sex sounds good right now, or or I'm horny and I want to go do something about it. But if I can't, it's not like, testosterone was making my brain go like, you, as soon as I started to think I was horny, my brain was like, you need to get off now. Do that thing. Do it. Go do it. Go do it. And then my brain would not shut up about it uh, until I took care okay. of it. Nowadays, it's more like, I'm horny, but I can't take care of it, so I'll put this aside and come back to it later. <laughs> um, nowadays, now that, like, dysphoria is the same way for me. Like, it's it's just kind of gone. Like, uh, and and when, in the same way that, like, I no longer need to think about sex every day. Now I no longer need to think about transition every day. And so I'm left wondering, what do I do with all this free time? The answer is apparently talk on the internet and for play hours. Magic the Gathering. Lots of magic. Man, my decks, can I just say, my, my magic decks have gotten way better now that I have so much more time <laughs> to put effort into them. <laughs> uh, I've been a lot more social. That's That's something that... Yeah. I've been about as social as I've always kind of wanted to be, but the thing is that I, I am having to go actively seek out and say yes to opportunities that if this had happened five years ago, they would have been literally everywhere because college you have people surrounding you. Here, something might fall into your lap. Like, I went to a birthday party yesterday from a friend that I literally got invited to like 20 hours before. <laughs> And I was like, okay, yeah, I can go. And yeah, like that, those are little tiny meteors that will fall through every now and then. But for the most part, you've got to go and like make your own fucking social plans happen. You have to go and talk and plan with people and it's work. Like I want to be yeah. this little social butterfly that I never got to be and experience that. But now it's like four times as hard. <laughs> Yep, yep. I found, like, I would agree with that. This is the most social I've ever been. I spend most of, I used to spend most of my time alone playing games, and nowadays I spend most of my time talking or interacting with people. I, the thing I've been struggling with, uh, when it, because we talked about this earlier about wanting to make friends, the thing I've been struggling with is while I am more interactive with people, I'm interactive with people in a way that doesn't necessarily lead to new friendships um, or lead to new opportunities. Like, um, the thing I've been trying to figure out is, I know how to like go to magic events and stuff like that, but how do I find friends outside of magic or find, take friends that I, people that I meet and play magic with and make them friends in other areas of my life? Like, um, what I found myself now is I'm significantly more active in my social life, but my social life still revolves around a very small amount of things. So, like, I've been having, the struggle I've been having is how do I expand the small amount of things to a large amount of things? Um, but it's interesting that that's, my biggest problem now yeah. it's a problem that other people face or non-trans people face yeah. i suppose so yeah so we've been going for about an hour now and much like this conversation i think we could just talk about this and every little tangent that goes on just like our transition yeah. it's not really going to end if we don't like cut it short here and we'll talk about this probably at a later date even uh yeah yeah I think this is a good this is a good spot yeah. to end it on. I is think, there um, is there anything else you wanted to say, Athena? I think the last thing I want to say is um, wherever you are in your transition, um, you the listener, you my co-host, <laughs> whatever, take that you however you want it. Wherever you are in your transition, it does, it there is an end to it. Um, I didn't know what that end was until a few months before my SRS. I thought there might be more. Um, and eventually I found like, no, that's it. It's over. I'm post transition. There's nothing left to do. And whatever that end is for you, it doesn't matter where that end is. That end could be before HRT. It could be after HRT. It could be before SRS, after SRS, before facial feminization surgery, after facial feminization surgery, before facial masculization surgery. If that's a thing. I don't know. I think it is. I don't know. I Either way, idea, actually, whatever, whatever your end point is, whenever you get there, 
congrats. You'll make it to the other side, and it's going to be yes. great. All right. All right. So with that, with that uh, sappy sentiment out of the way, um, it's time for a really silly yes, thing. and Athena is going to do a lot of the talking because she found it, and while I love it, I can't afford to own it right now. So, so um, I found this game. We're talking about a video game again. Uh, we are back from our... our, our you know, foodie sister radio uh, from last week. And this week we are back to our usual fare of video games. I found this game through a um, Twitch streamer, which I've mentioned before on here. Uh, I watched uh, Loading Ready Run uh, stream it. Um, and I watched uh, specifically Benjineering, who I mentioned in our favorite Twitch streamers episode. Um, I mentioned he was one of the ones playing it. It's a game called Just Shapes and Beats, and it's amazing. Um, so the game is essentially, I mean, the name really describes it well. It's just shapes and beats. <laughs> um, it's a rhythm game. And so if, if your first thought is, oh, it's like Dance Dance Revolution. No, uh, it has more in common with like, it, it's a bullet it hell game. It is not a guitar It's a game hero. where you get shot at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a game where you're, you're dodging obstacles around the screen. You're trying to avoid getting hit. You're trying to survive to the end of the level. There's bosses and there's a cute storyline that's told that involves you're your finding all of your cube friends who, who, or one of your cube friends. And you also have a boat friend and a plate and a helicopter friend that you're trying to find who all get, you know, the bad stuff happens and things go on either way. Uh, the the storyline is absolutely adorable. It's a fairly short storyline of a game. Uh, it's only about three hours. But then after that storyline, there's also a ton of challenges that you can do um, for like different different levels that add twists on the levels you've done before. There's extra levels you can unlock that aren't included in the storyline. All of them are set to an absolutely amazing electronic the music soundtrack. Does rock, just saying. <laughs> yeah, the music is fucking banging it's so good it's so 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 good um there's no official soundtrack that's actually there might be an official soundtrack that you can purchase with the game i think i saw that as an option if you can buy the soundtrack i absolutely recommend it um but you can also look up just shapes and beats soundtrack and there's playlists um the game doesn't have any exclusive has one exclusive song to it i think um, so like if you really want to listen to the soundtrack and see if the game would be up your alley, you can look it up and, and listen to it because most of the songs were available and they just licensed them from the artists. But it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it has artists uh, like um, Pegboard Nerds is one that's on there. Um, it's also got Nitro Fun is I think a name of one of them. Um, Cubby, uh, K-U-B-B-I is an artist that's on there whose music I absolutely love. There's just a ton of phenomenal songs. Um, the levels are awesome because obviously like it's a bullet hell game so you're dodging obstacles and there's like a boss that'll shoot at you or enemies that'll shoot at you or whatever and what's cool about that is it's all timed to the music so it's also just really satisfying to watch the levels play out. Um, uh, another like um, cool thing about it is in addition to challenges it also has online like competitive multiplayer and local co-op um, so you can have up to four people playing on the same system the the players are a square a triangle a circle and a pentagon um, those are the the four player shapes because um, again it's just shapes and beats <laughs> no way uh, it's a really simple game that does a lot of it it uses its fairly straightforward mechanics and setup to do something really cool and really complicated. And in my opinion, like it's really skill testing and it's also something that's pretty new. Like it's a really awesome rhythm game and it does it in a way that no other rhythm game I've ever played does it. I absolutely recommend it. It's worth every penny of the $20. If you're a huge fan of Monster Cat, um, there's a $10 DLC that adds a ton of Monster Cat levels to the game. Um, there's also a really cool mode that I forgot to mention called um, Party Mode. Uh, party mode is part of the reason I bought it because what party mode does is it it randomizes the soundtrack to the game and it just goes through random levels, but the characters can't die, um, and like they'll take damage and they'll get knocked out, but they always come back, so the the levels never stop. So what this essentially means is you can turn on party mode at a party, and just let it go, and just let it run, and the game will essentially play itself because nobody dies. So you now have in the background of your party an epic soundtrack to do whatever it is you're doing. Your TV now has the world's coolest visualizer on it because the visualizer to these levels are fucking glorious. And if anyone gets bored at the party, they can just pick up a controller and start playing cool. the game. That's at super any fucking point. cool. It's super 
Like, that's just such a cool idea for a rhythm game to have of like, it's this soundtrack and visualizer and also pick up and play game at a party while also being a really like technically sound game that's just a blast to play through the storyline and the campaign and all that stuff. So super recommend it. Uh, it's super fun with friends or by yourself. If you like a challenge, try playing it by yourself because it's brutal. Oh my gosh. Um, it's an awesome game. I can't recommend it enough. It's called Just Shapes and Beats. As always, there'll be a link in the description of this podcast. Go check it out. That sounds amazing. All right. Well, Athena, is there anything you would like to say? Wait. That's what I normally ask you. <laughs> this episode has been turned on its head. No. Yes. No, I'm good. I said everything. Um, well, is there anything else that you want to say, Aaron? I love our twin siblings. Oh, I love our twin siblings, too. Well, with that, I think it's time to say that this has been Transistor Radio, a story thus far network podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to talk about, uh, please send us an email at staff at storythusfar.com with TSR or Transistor Radio in the subject line. You can also uh, send us a tweet at our Twitter page, which is at uh, storythusfar, or you can contact us via Facebook, which is at facebook.com slash storythusfar. And if you're like me and can't remember anything I just said for more than 30 seconds, please head over to www.storythusfar.com far.com where you can find this and even more great content thanks for listening to this episode of transistor radio we'll catch up with you next time but until then it's time for us to end transmission bye bye I thought for a minute you were serious, and I was like, I didn't know that. <laughs> Crazy. I have a We Are Number One remix that fucking rocks, I but... I know I've heard that, that song. I, d- I can't remember it at the moment. Anyway, I'm ready when you are. Hey! I love that you did that, like, expecting it to, like, make me remember the song, and I'm just sitting here, like, I've done this to people, and I don't know how anyone remembers a song from this. (laughs)